0: Reminded once again this week that there's little settled science in finance. The trigger was the Federal Reserve's interest rate hike. The Fed now wants banks to lend money to each other at an overnight rate somewhere between 4.5% and 4.75%. The lift was the eighth such move in the Fed Fund's target rate this cycle. Less than a year ago, the rate had been between 0% and a quarter percent. As we've discussed in several of our monthly commentaries over the past year, the goal of the higher rates, referred to in the industry as more restrictive monetary policy, is to tame inflation. And as we discuss in this month's commentary, the Fed's actions may be working. It didn't seem like there were any surprises in that announcement, but kind of par for this cycle, the press conference created more of a frenzy than the press release. Once again, evident from market activity as Chairman Powell began fielding questions is the grand disconnect between what the Fed sees as the medium term future and what investors seem to believe will come of the economy in the next few years. While Chairman Powell insisted a few more rate hikes likely were in store, bond yields suggest the Fed will actually have to cut rates as soon as this summer, an opinion they've expressed for some time now. Meantime, it would seem stock investors took a bullish cue from, well, we're guessing here, like so many others, maybe Mr. Powell's tone? There were more than a few references to disinflation, which we noted in this month's commentary. Investors may have weighted those words and the thinking that the end is in sight for this rate cycle a bit more heavily than Mr. Powell may have wished. And when asked about recently positive market activity, Mr. Powell decided against a heavier-handed rebuke, despite the general belief that positive market momentum may tend to work against more restrictive monetary policy. As he shrugged off worries that he might be worried, off to the races it was, with stocks gaining 3.5% from the moment the press conference started through the next day's close. Pulling all that market action together, seems to me that both bond and equity investors were hearing what they wanted to hear, not least because the messages each group seems to have received in no small ways conflicts with the others. Bond investors heard Powell suggest the Fed's work is incomplete and that they should expect more rate rises to come. Nope, said the bond folks, you're going to reverse course later this year because, I don't know, maybe rates are so oppressive already that a recession will come before school starts again in the fall. But if that's true, then stock investors shouldn't be all that happy because recessions tend not to be good for stocks. Stock investors, on the contrary, didn't seem to mind. Of course, we've discussed before the fact that recessions have come and gone, generally preceded by a plunge and a rebound in the stock market, well before the recession is actually even acknowledged by the folks charged with determining economic cycles. So there could be some on-target thinking by the equity folks. The U.S. stock market remains more than 12% below its January 2022 peak, after all. Maybe a soft landing might just be possible. Even so, with so much uncertainty in the data, I struggled with the confidence expressed by both the bond and stock markets on Fed Day and the day after. Come to the second day after the show, though, and both sides of the portfolio seemed to get with the program. Friday's release of labor market data offered a stark, bet you didn't see that coming, reminder, reflecting just how challenging the present environment is. The U.S. saw an increase of 517,000 jobs for the month of January. The highest estimate Bloomberg was showing for job gains last month was 320,000 jobs added, while the median and average estimates were well south of half the actual gain at 188,000 and 197,000, respectively. The unemployment rate, meantime, is now 3.4%, the lowest level since May 1969. Clearly, higher rates have yet to put too much pressure on the labor market, and that will trouble the Fed, likely bolstering its resolve to keep rates higher for longer for fear of inflation ceasing to slow or even starting to rise anew. For context, wage inflation is considered among the more pernicious forms of price change, as both levels and trends in wages tend to be stickier than other forms of inflation. So the Fed has been paying close attention to the labor market in hopes of, and I know this seems strange, but it's part of the challenge of modulating inflation through changes in monetary policy, in hopes of cooling job growth, perhaps even to the effect of increasing unemployment in order to suppress wage inflation, which might otherwise continue to put upward pressures on prices more broadly. But while that connection seems intuitive, logical even, there's not a lot of live data to support it. In fact, many have come to question this relationship once thought so powerful it became something of a financial meme. That meme, and it may not be fair to call it that, but I'm gonna go with it. That meme, the Phillips Curve, is named for an economist from New Zealand that studied wage inflation and unemployment in the United Kingdom from the mid-18th century to the mid-19th century. William Phillips found that the two were inversely related. The lower the level of unemployment, the higher the rate of inflation in wages. While his work applied only to wages, the relationship again seemed so logical that folks began applying the thinking to inflation in general. But while there are hints of the relationship in inflation and unemployment in the US in the 1960s, such a relationship has not really been noticed since. But Phillips-Curve thinking retains a favorite spot in the toolkit nonetheless, and if you were to ask me why, I'd say it's because, like so much of human behavior, we have a tendency to seek to keep things simple, even when they are nothing of the sort, maybe especially when they're nothing of the sort. And so the purported trade-off continues to inform policy decisions around the world. Good thing is, informs has a very different meaning than defines. And to give this Federal Reserve credit, it would seem monetary policymaking has been both more accepting of and more transparent regarding the need to be reactive to fresh data while not being dogmatic about the potential reactions to them. That is, rather than adopting an if-then approach to monetary policy, this Fed seems much more about reading, digesting, then acting, along with a good bit of thinking out loud. Now, markets don't like that, especially that last bit too much, and investors love to poke fun at Team Federal Reserve and calm a bunch of bozos, but I wouldn't blame the Fed for the fact that markets seem to think Chairman Powell is either wrong or is bluffing. Because, let's be real, the Fed has a set of sledgehammers and we're asking for something akin to a marble statue of a bald eagle from their efforts. Consider for a moment, please, the ongoing conundrums the present environment presents. It does seem odd that the labor market remains so strong despite much tighter monetary policy, but monetary policy tends to work with a lag or that's at least seems to have been the case, so we might not yet be seeing its effects. And that may worry some, bond investors in particular, because many read in past cycles a Fed that held rates too high for too long, pushing the economy into recession. But a recession isn't guaranteed. Heck, fourth quarter GDP growth of 2.9% says no recession yet, but the economy has been known to turn on a dime on occasion, so one good quarter does not mean the next quarter might not see a decline. Anyway, we don't really have all that many rate cycles as evidence to know that the Fed is gonna get it wrong. But if past performance is any guide, it's fair to place some probability on that possibility. Still, the fact that the Fed is so conscious of the fact that everyone is believing that the Fed is gonna screw this up might lead them to take a more cautious approach. You know, maybe learn from the past. And then maybe, just maybe, we're heading in for a soft landing. Get that? Surely intuition relates all those counter thoughts. While we must be honest in accepting that exemplified by the conundrums the Fed and investors presently face, macroeconomics and investing offer few truths to hold. Rather, most policies and processes depend on heavily theoretical, mildly empirical concepts often conflicting and open to variable usage and emphasis that are flexibly applied to fresh situations that, while perhaps rhyming with the past, are unique to the present and which likely will lead to futures mostly or even markedly different than scenarios seen in the past. That is, the universe loves to throw curveballs, keep us waiting, deliver surprises, and prove us wrong. Best then to keep one's eye on the incoming data, remain patient against uncertainty, accept that the future holds a vast range of potential outcomes and, most importantly, continue to learn as those days arrive. Importantly, this podcast is not presented as an investment recommendation. This is not a solicitation to invest in any investment product of Signature Resources Capital Management. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or to predict future performance. The approach described may not be right for everyone. No one listening to this podcast should take our comments as advice specific to or appropriate for their individual situations. Individual circumstances should be taken into consideration when determining a suitable investment approach. All investing carries risk, including the potential loss of principal. As with any analysis of economic and market data, it is important to remember that past performance is no guarantee of future results.